Welcome in to another edition of the Daily Tap Podcast. How is everybody doing on this Friday? I am sure you are doing well. The Green Bay Packers are 7-1 with an incredible victory against the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to talk all about it. We're going to do star ratings. We're going to talk a lot about Matt LaFleur in the open. And then a little Wisconsin-Iowa preview at the tail end of today's show. Very excited to talk about the Packers. Um, It is a great day to have a victory Friday. Like victory Fridays just hit different because it is the last day of the work week. You have a Packers win in your back pocket. You're scotch-free for the weekend. You got to love it. Make sure if you're not reading, reviewing, subscribing to this podcast, tapping the keg all, all together, tapping the K-Pass Network, I don't know what you're doing. Um, you got to do it for us. Uh, Apple, Spotify, hit us up. Give us those reviews. Tell your friends. We would appreciate all the love and support. Follow us on the social medias, Tapping the Keg Sports on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and then Tapping the Keg on Twitter. We are doing Twitter spaces after games. Um, Make sure you're checking those out. Uh, They're a lot of fun. We did one last night, and probably kind of the reason I didn't get a podcast up last night was because I was chatting with those guys till about 11.15, and it all spiraled, whatever. I don't even, I'm not going to make any excuses. Well, let's just talk about the Green Bay Packers, and let's start with Matt LaFleur as part of our Open today. Matt LaFleur is the most successful head coach in the first 40 games of any coach in the Super Bowl era. Matt LaFleur is 33-7. and seven. It seems like the national media is finally waking up to how good of a coach Matt LaFleur is. Whenever you see any of the stats, any of the articles, Pro Football Talk, Peter Schrager, anyone tweeting out anything about Matt LaFleur's success, immediately in the replies, it is, well, he has Aaron Rodgers. Well, two of these guys had a Hall of Fame quarterback, Chuck Knox being the other one, um, and he had Terry Bradshaw. So, or no, I'm sorry, George Seifert, not Chuck Knox. I'm thinking of, uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, Charles, oh, shit. Who's a longtime Pittsburgh coach? Uh, the olds are going to kill me on this, but whatever. We'll we'll move forward. No, I'm thinking of, it was George Seifert. George Seifert had Steve Young. So anyways, it's George Seifert, Chuck Knox, and Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is better than all of them. Matt LaFleur has a 33-7 record. It is immediately with the well-but Aaron Rodgers. And yes, it does help to have Aaron Rodgers. No one's disputing that, Okay. No one is saying that Aaron Rodgers doesn't help Matt LaFleur get to 33-7. and But I am very confident that if Matt LaFleur was on other teams that needed head coaches during that time, that Matt LaFleur would be pretty successful. I don't know if he'd be 33-7, and but I think he would actually have a similar impact. Because what people forget about the Aaron Rodgers part of this, the Aaron Rodgers sort of throwaway comment, that Bears fans, that Buccaneers fans, that Vikings fans all throw in our face, is that Aaron Rodgers was kind of broken in 2018. I think that gets lost in the shuffle, right? Like Aaron Rodgers was not a good quarterback in 2018. People forget this. People just immediately assume like it's Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the best that ever played. And and that's true. But people forget that Aaron Rodgers in 2018 was a shell of his old self. Aaron Rodgers was not working on his mechanics. Aaron Rodgers was upset at the world. Aaron Rodgers was frustrated with Mike McCarthy and the antiquated offense that the Green Bay Packers were running. 
And you could really look back at that 2018 season and wonder if Rodgers tanked the season so McCarthy got fired. I don't think it's a out-of-this-world question. And I also think if the Packers would have kept McCarthy, I think Rodgers would have asked for a trade in 2019. I do not think Rodgers would have been on this roster had McCarthy stayed. I think that was a, a situation where it was either me or him, and the Packers knew it, and they got rid of McCarthy after an embarrassing loss against Arizona, coincidentally enough. Aaron Rodgers then to Matt LaFleur, and there was always a discussion of, well, can Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers work together? What is this going to be like? I was always on the side, you could go back and listen, of like, they're going to work well together because they're, they're at similar age. Matt LaFleur is going to know how to coach a guy like Aaron Rodgers. He's worked with other quarterbacks before. I have all the confidence in the world at Matt LaFleur. And it got off to a shaky start. Not necessarily their relationship, but the Packers' offense did not look great in 2019. And remember, that team was a lot of smoke and mirrors. That team benefited from injuries for other teams. And out of nowhere, Green Bay ended up being 13-3. and That 13-3... and looking back on it, was a little more fraudulent than what we're seeing today or what we saw in 2020 because Green Bay played a lighter schedule due to their lack of success in 2018. But then Green Bay just kept growing. Aaron Rodgers kept growing. Aaron Rodgers became an MVP quarterback again. And Matt LaFleur's system led him to be an MVP. It's not just Aaron Rodgers. It's part of the system that Matt LaFleur gave Aaron Rodgers the chance to win every fucking time he had the ball. And that is important. And that's what makes Matt LaFleur a great coach. And that it continues to progress. And those guys are so dialed in together. Like, I couldn't believe that Aaron Rodgers went for it on that fourth down. And Matt he didn't even look at Matt LaFleur. The broadcast talked about this. Brian's like, he's not looking at Matt LaFleur. He's going for this. Aaron Rodgers is all in. And I was like, I, I, I could not like wrap my head around. I was like, yeah, that's kind of selfish. Like I, I don't really criticize Rodgers in, inside the game every now and again. But I was like, I can't believe Rodgers is doing this. And Matt LaFleur trusts him, though. And Matt LaFleur is a leader of men. And while like earlier this year I was worried about LaFleur being more involved with the defense, I think again that was him just trying to make sure that everybody had their shit together. He is extremely detail-oriented. And I, as someone who struggles with details in their personal life, I, I commend him because I think it's a really hard thing. And Matt LaFleur checks every single box and he double checks it and triple checks it. You know, Aaron Rodgers has called him kind of a psycho at times and called him uptight in, in friendly ways, right? That he is wound pretty tight and Aaron Rodgers is loose. And so the combination between the two create this awesome relationship. And so this idea that it's just Aaron Rodgers is completely false. Matt LaFleur rebuilt Aaron Rodgers. That's the part that people miss. Matt LaFleur is the reason why Aaron Rodgers is back to being the guy we saw in the early 2010s. It's Matt LaFleur. And, and that, that gets lost. And I hope that people are finally waking up. Everyone loves to talk about Kyle Shanahan. Everyone loves to talk about Sean McVay. And those are part of LaFleur's buddies. They're part of the system, right? I guess the Shanahan tree, Mike Shanahan, not Kyle. 
I don't know if Rodgers would be the same with a McVay or a Shanahan. I on or I, yeah, I honestly don't. I, I really don't because Shanahan just seems like he always wants to be the smartest guy in the room. Like I feel like Shanahan and Rodgers would clash. Like I think there would be significant issues between those guys. I do not think they would get along. Just like I don't think Tom Brady and him would get along. Like I know Tom Brady wanted to play in San Francisco. I know Aaron Rodgers wanted to play in San Francisco. I don't think they would have got along with Kyle Shanahan. I just don't. I think there is a kind of aura he thinks he has around him because he gets his dick sucked all the time. And then McVay, I can see Rodgers and McVay working well together just given how well Stafford has, has been with him. But still, I, I wonder just if they if there wouldn't be on the same page as much as they, they could be. But I, I think McVay would be all right. I don't think Kyle Shanahan and him would work together. And I, I do hope that LaFleur is mentioned with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan right now, who decided to get Trey Lance, traded up for Trey Lance, could have had Mac Jones where he was drafting at 12, could have probably had Justin Fields, honestly, if he would have just traded up like two spots, could have had Justin Fields. And instead he trades the farm so he can get Trey Lance. And Trey Lance might have been there at 12. That's the crazy thing. And he is a year away, right? They could have had Jordan Love two years ago and they decided to go with Brandon Ayuk. And Brandon Ayuk's in, in Shanahan's doghouse. So please tell me how Kyle Shanahan is a better coach than Matt LaFleur. Because he fucking isn't, all right? He gets the credit, but... Matt LaFleur deserves what Kyle Shanahan gets. And I hope that things are changing. I hope that people realize this. And I hope people understand that it's not just about Aaron Rodgers. It's about a lot more. And Matt LaFleur deserves a ton of credit for this win, especially. Because he came up with a game plan that shut down Arizona's offense. And you're like, that's weird, Charlie. He's an offensive coach. What do you mean? He, they controlled the ball, unlike I have probably seen the Packers in, gosh, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years. Like the way that they were running the football and the way that they were draining clock and the way that they were just keeping that Arizona offense off the field was a master class in how you protect a lead and how you make chicken shit or chicken salad uh, chicken shit i always screw that up but but seriously like they had nothing they they had Devonte adams out alan lazard out robert tunyon goes down during the game they didn't have david bakhtiari yet and yet they were in control the entire game on the road prime time against an undefeated team that is all coaching that is all coaching because that game plan was there. And I, I felt good. I mean, I told you guys this week that I thought they would run the ball a lot more. That I thought part of the plan with Washington and why we did not run the ball as much with Washington is because we, there was going to be a heavy reliance on A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And it, that kind of came true. And I, a little, I'm a little surprised at how right I am. Like my guy Shannon in our space yesterday was like, are you going to brag about this? I'm like, fuck yeah, of course I'm going to brag about it because I, I kind of nailed it. I didn't expect to nail it, but that that's what that's what they did. They did exactly what I told you guys. I said, that's why they're not running the ball with Washington. They are waiting for Thursday night. 
And LaFleur and Rodgers both talked about how they kind of planned ahead. They were ready for this game. They were so prepared. And because they were prepared, that led to the success. And that led to the victory. And now Green Bay is 7-1. and one. Now Green Bay has a tiebreaker over Arizona. They'll have a chance to get a tiebreaker over the Rams. They will not have that luxury over the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. But out of those four teams, it's hard to argue that the Packers aren't the best team out of the bunch. They've now went on the road and beat the Arizona Cardinals and the Cincinnati Bengals. They are two of the best teams. And say what you want about Cincinnati. You can say Cincinnati's overrated, whatever. The record is the record. Right now, they're the best team in the AFC. And the Packers beat them on the road. And they beat Arizona on the road. And they haven't been conventional wins. Every game, I feel like I'm losing a year off my life. I'm kind of worried about my dad. Like, I might have to check in and be like, are you going to be okay? Or my mom, even. My mom cares, I think, almost more than my dad does. Like, I, I have to do some gut checks here. But they are playing great football. And coaching is a big part of it. So I'm so excited for Kansas City. I'm so excited for the rest of the season. 7-1 sounds great. 7-1 is a dominant record. It separates men from boys. And right now, the Packers are, are men. Grown-ass men, for that matter. Let's move on to star ratings. So we will talk a little bit more in-depth about the game. Kind of did it a little differently uh, today where I just had one topic to open and then talking more in-depth of the game. Let me know how you feel about that compared to the Washington. I know there are daily listeners, so I, I appreciate any and all feedback. Five-star obviously has to be the walk-off interception. Absolutely incredible play by Rasul Douglas. Um, and to make that play, the degree of difficulty of that interception, even though he didn't have anyone around him that was a hard play he had to keep both feet in bounds which he did and it was an amazing sense of awareness and for the Packers to win that way was just so unexpected I mean you're watching them in the red Arizona that is in the red zone and you're like oh fuck we're either gonna go to overtime or we're gonna lose this game and while I think in two days I would have been fine with the loss I would have got over it because I would have said look this is a house money game. We didn't deserve to be here. Yes, this should be a win. Yes, the Packers need to think through their red zone offense. That would be a big topic. It still is going to be. We're going to talk about it here in a second. But I think we would all be okay with a loss given how beat up and battered the Green Bay Packers were. And you would appreciate their fight. But Rasul Douglas said, no, sir. He took advantage of A.J. Green's lack of awareness. And it's shocking with A.J. Green being you know, a professional, being a guy who's been in the league for so long. I think part of it had to do with the Arizona Cardinals really haven't been there. They had one, one, uh, one game where they were close, right, against Minnesota, where they needed to drive down the field and take a lead. And that was it. And now they had DeAndre Hopkins out there. So Green was an elevated role. I mean, in this scenario, if DeAndre Hopkins is healthy... DeAndre Hopkins is probably the guy that's in that, that spot. I don't know if the X or Y, whatever, in terms of their, their setup, but I would have to imagine that Kyler Murray would be looking towards Nuke 
in the end zone to finish off a football game. He has done it before. We all remember the Hale Murray. Like they would look for DeAndre Hopkins there. They would not be looking in AJ Green's direction. So it seemed like AJ Green was blocking versus actually trying to go for the ball. And there must have been an option play with Kyler Murray running the football. And Green, I think, assumed that Kyler Murray was just going to take off and that was it. And I think that there was a you know, kind of false assumption. You know, Murray's like, I don't know what happened on that play. He said that after the game. I, I think that's him being nice. I think that's him kind of covering his own ass. They were not on the same page, and Rasul Douglas took advantage of it. And Rasul Douglas played great. Uh, nine tackles, pass deflection, interception. And we've said this a lot, and I sound like a broken record. But if the Packers secondary gets healthy, they are some dogs. You have Rasul you have Jair Alexander, you have Eric Stokes, you have Kevin King, and now I know you're going to be like, Kevin King, hey, Kevin King's been all right this year. After that New Orleans game, Kevin King's been okay. So Kevin King as the fourth corner is not that bad. And then you also have Shannon Sullivan there. So that's that's five solid cornerbacks right now for the Green Bay Packers. You, you have to love that. And hopefully Jair can come back. And also, too, as an aside, if Kevin King's ready next week, which I think he will be, he was close this week, obviously was made inactive. I think then you can tell Jair, like, make sure you're entirely healthy. Make sure that this is not a scenario where you are just deciding to play because you feel like you have to. I don't think Jair Alexander has to. Other five-star goes to the Packer running attack. We talked about the game plan that LaFleur had, and all the Packers needed to do was just run at Arizona. And I get that we were all kind of like, just run the football, just run the football. We were maybe a little obsessed. Green Bay ran the ball 34 times. They passed the ball 37. That is not your typical Packer offense. And that's what we mean about the control. A.J. Dillon rushed for 78 yards on 16 carries. Aaron Jones, 59 yards on 15 carries. It was a balanced attack. They also used... Aaron Jones in the passing game and that was part of it right I think part of the attack was use a little more Dylan because you're going to need to rely on Aaron Jones in the passing attack Jones had seven catches for 51 yards was targeted 11 times um, in the pass game so he was basically a wide receiver if you will also doing some running back duties in this game AJ Dillon looked fantastic AJ Dillon rushed for nearly five yards per carry I think you're seeing why A.J. Dillon was the second round pick. I think there's a lot of people kind of deleting tweets right now. I remember Pro Football Focus laughing at the Green Bay Packers. Those tweets probably need to be deleted. Like my guy Jordan Love bookmark, shout out to him. Like he needs to get some A.J. Dillon tweets out there as well because they look absolutely foolish. Josiah DeGuerra contributed. Now Josiah DeGuerra did look lost today. But you saw the fruits of that Green Bay draft class on full display. And A.J. Dillon was great in this one. I think the future is bright with A.J. Dillon. I think they are going to use Jones and Dillon kind of as this thunder and lightning throughout the year. And it's going to be better and better as the months get colder. I loved what the Packers did on the ground. I don't expect that you'll see this in a lot of games this year. But when they can take advantage of a bad rushing defense, they're going to. Arizona's rushing defense looked better the last few weeks, but I think that was a product of who they played. They played Houston. They played uh, Cleveland, who was banged up to all holy hell. You didn't have Nick Chubb or 
Kareem Hunt. So that that is a lot different than if both of those guys are playing with that Browns rushing attack. So I do think that Arizona um, got exposed a little bit defensively, and I think you can run on on the on the Cardinals, and I think that will be a thing to watch going forward. Four stars. I have to give credit to Jerry Jerry Gray and the Packers defensive coaches. They came up with a great game plan against Arizona. Now, I know Joe Barry probably had some involvement, but it's a lot different when you're actually on the field. And Gray, Kurt Olavidi, I think is how you pronounce the inside linebackers coach, they had a great system in place, and they did fantastic. There was pass rush immediately in this game. They, the Packers did not make Kyler Murray feel comfortable at all. As well, as my guy Pat pointed out in the spaces, um, you know this is the first time maybe ever that the Packers shut down a running quarterback. Like Kyler Murray did not do anything with his feet, and we have had so many nightmare games against dual quarterbacks that just go off. I mean, ever since Michael Vick at Lambeau in two thousand was that two thousand four. I mean, it, ever since then, it's like Packers can't stop a dual threat quarterback in the Colin Kaepernick games and and just so many others where the Packers really struggle with that dual threat quarterback. It did not be, it was not a factor for Barry and his system. And really, it was Gray. I should give Gray the credit. But Joe Barry has obviously made the defense a lot better. And it's a product of Joe Barry's defense. And you have to recognize that Barry has done really great work that that first week and at first and even the sec, into the second week is kind of a mirage if you take that away from what the green bay packers have done they have been really stout defensively they have a good defense they're going to be challenging kansas city i feel good about this defense against kansas city i was not thinking the same thing when the thought was the Packers were going to face Patrick Mahomes. Now Mahomes gets hurt. This was back in 2019 when the Packers and Chiefs played. It, it, that was a, a real scare with that defense. I'm not scared of Patrick Mahomes in this. I'm very confident in this defense. I expect this defense to slow down other teams. And if you don't, I think you got to start doing that. I think you have to start taking this defense a little more seriously and holding them a little bit to a higher standard. I also want to give Aaron Rodgers a bunch of credit for this game. He didn't have the best game. His quarterback rating was only at a 90. His average pass per was 5, which is very low for Aaron Rodgers. I'd have to go back and look at if that was his lowest. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is more of a 3-star. Let's let's put Aaron Rodgers in that 3-star category uh, because it wasn't the best game, but it, he made the plays when it mattered the most. The fourth down conversion uh, when the Packers are up 10-7, to and I really thought maybe they should kick the ball. Like I didn't know what you could get offensively. And I, I knew the defense was playing well. And Rodgers was like, nope, I don't care. And then they got into the end zone. Found Randall Cobb twice around the goal line. And that's what Randall Cobb has done for years with Aaron Rodgers. And yes, GM Aaron Rodgers is certainly a thing. And he got it done. And that was important. And I thought Rodgers' game in general was very solid. So I, I do like what Rodgers did. I realize it's not a MVP-like performance. I know we talked about if Rodgers played well in this game, does it vault him into the MVP category? I don't think this does. I think, it, if anything, going back to our Open, it more vaults Matt LaFleur into like Coach of the Year and what Matt LaFleur is doing versus anything else. 
Other three-star, Jawan Winfrey. There's something there with Jawan Winfrey. We talked about it in the space uh, after the game yesterday. But there is something with Jawan Winfrey. I don't know exactly if he's ever going to be a premier receiving talent. But you can just sort of see the, the rawness. You can see, though, the talent. Even though he's raw, you can see that talent. You can see that, that talent exists in him. I realize Rodgers has a better relationship with EQ. But honestly, like I, I like Winfrey a lot better than I like EQ, and I, I feel like Winfrey's future of this team is still there. And who knows if we're going to be able to keep him? I know they protect guys on practice squad. I would protect Winfrey the rest of the year because I think he's a guy that other teams will look at, especially the Houston's, New York Jets of the world, Lions, Jaguars, who might just look for cheap talent late in the season. I think that's a guy you you would take. So maybe they hopefully they can protect Winfrey because I do think the talent is there. Two stars goes to the Packers' inability to use timeouts. So the Packers did ran out of ta- timeouts in with five minutes left to go in the game. Extremely frustrated. You can't have that happen. That that was an absolute no no. I understand that there were a lot of guys who had no idea what they were doing. Degura, Winfrey. Uh, EQ and because of that it led to a lot of confusion now I do think that's somewhat on Rodgers and Rodgers and LaFleur needed to scale it back a little bit they did they didn't need to throw everything at these guys and I think because they did that it led to a lot of the timeout miscommunications and it nearly cost the Packers because the Packers would have had no time left had Kyler Murray completed a touchdown, had they got a field goal and went to overtime. The Packers really cost themselves there. I do have this alternative theory that not having timeouts actually helped the Packers defensively because they weren't able to slow down Arizona and Arizona kind of rushed. Like Arizona was kind of in this rush Approach, and I thought that was more maybe on Cliff Kingsbury, and it, it goes to the point of Cliff Kingsbury. Are we sure he's a good coach? I've been on the the hill that he is not, and so maybe the lack of timeouts actually helped the Packers defensively because it made Arizona sort of feel rushed and feel pressured, you know, offensively. But who knows? If they have another timeout if they manage their timeouts better. There's no issue on the goal line, and there's no delay a game, and Green Bay gets into the end zone and. They, there's no sweating. There's no walk-off interception. It's it's over as is, right? One star, uh, Thursday Night Football injuries, man. Uh, the Robert Tunyon uh, non-contact injury looked really bad. Uh, I hope it's a hyperextension. I fear it's an ACL. I know they have a lot of tight ends, but that's, again, another brutal loss for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Arizona had a couple. Xavier Collins got hurt early in this game. I don't think he returned. Kylan Hill had the brutal knee injury and Jonathan Ward came in there real hot and had a neck concussion thing. I think someone, did someone else get evaluated for a concussion? I'm not sure. But there there were enough of the Fox injury music that made you feel a little uncomfortable. Those kind of games you hate. You understand injuries will happen, but when you just keep hearing that Fox injury music, you're like, fuck. Man, it was a war out there, and Packers survived, but man, it was very physical. I'm sure they're going to appreciate 10 days off. Then the red zone problems, both offensively and defensively. Let's start offensively, though. I think that's a product of who you had out there. 
more than anything else. I know the red zone has been an issue for the Packers all season. I do think that a lot of teams studied that this year as the Packers were so good in the red zone last year that everyone keys on their red zone defense against the Packers. And I think they look at what the Packers do and that means that Matt LaFleur is going to have to shake it up. That That's what I hope in these next 10 days the Packers focus on more than anything else, besides getting healthy, of course, is the red zone offense and making sure that this red zone offense is so much better going forward. And how do you make that better? How do you, what, what things do you have to do? Is it just running the football? Is it more focus on the run and less on the pass? Is it more kind of, deceiving plays like not running the ball on third and goal or fourth and goal from the one is an absolute calamity like I understand that they were tight in the box but that is a play and I know Rodgers and Brady get compared way too much but that is a play Tom Brady just sneaks in how Aaron Rodgers doesn't sneak that ball in is beyond me Uh, and they get too cute I swear like they get too cute around the red zone they need to go back to basics. I hope they do. It's a major problem for Green Bay that they need to kind of fix before we get into December and January because you're going to need to capitalize in the red zone. And if you aren't able to head into the playoffs, that will be a significant concern for the Green Bay Packers. And defensively, we had a great red zone defense against Washington. Not so much here in this one. Um, the Packers, for whatever reason, do not load up the box and so they play these light boxes and they're able to just run right through them. And you have to adjust there. That has to change. You're going to have teams who want to run the football down in the red zone. You have Darrell Williams, who's not bad next week with Kansas City. You have Delvin Cook in two weeks, who is, a, oh no, three weeks, excuse me, uh, who's a real factor. Daryl Henderson has been great this year. So you're going to have guys who where the focus is going to be on running the football in the red zone area, that has to change for Green Bay. Green Bay has to adjust there in their defense, you know, in their scheme, because you can't just be allowing free touchdowns. And it feels like whenever a team touches the ball in terms of running the football, it, it's a free touchdown. So hopefully that changes. But all in all, man, it's an awesome win for Green Bay. It's one of the best of the Matt LaFleur era. It might be his very best. And a lot of people should be feeling proud. I'm sure that airplane ride home was a great one uh, from Phoenix to Green Bay. And also, by the way, I didn't say this in the review or anything else. Wisconsin owns Arizona. Um, You had the Bucks taking care of the Suns. Now you have the Packers taking care of the Cardinals. Uh, But obviously, all that matters is playoff time. But now the Packers have a tiebreaker. So it probably means Cliff and Kyler have to come to Lambeau Field in January, which I guarantee you, they will not have a lot of fun with. All right, let's wrap up this show. We're going to talk a little bit about Wisconsin-Iowa. Great game. I'm excited for it. I'm going to be there. Um, So if you're going to be there, let me know. Uh, We're going to have some beers at Jordan's before the game. If that's uh, uh, something of your liking, let me know. Hit me up. I'll buy you one, of course. That's always the rule. That's never changed, by the way. I, I used to say it all the time. Like I'd be like, oh, if you're out, like I'll buy you a beer. And then no one no one actually would take me up on it. So I, I never I never continued. But I also would never like share my location. I'd never be like, oh, I'm at this place or anything like that. I'm terrible with Instagram stories. Um, just an absolute wreck. Um, I need to be better. That's okay. Regardless, yes, I'm going to be there. Excited for it. Um, it's, I think, my first Badger game 
in years that I'm actually going to. I went to like a tailgate two years ago. It was actually, I think, Wisconsin, Iowa for that one too. Um, and this will be my first one though in person, I think since I was like 16. Like that's crazy. Uh, so excited to be a part of it. Excited to enjoy game day. As you guys know, I have the weird relationship with college football, but I will still be cheering for the Badgers and hope they get it done against Iowa. They're a three and a half point favorite. The over under is 36 and a half. That is absolutely crazy. I, I actually like the under over, excuse me, not the under. That's just too few points with two teams that can score a little bit like that. Come on like that. There's no way that that thing goes under at 36 and a half. That's, that's absurd. I do like Wisconsin in this game. I think that Wisconsin defensively has kind of found something. I think they're rolling a little bit. I think that people are maybe forgetting what the Badgers have done the last few weeks and that they're finally, you know, feeling themselves a little bit. To me, this is not the Wisconsin team that played Michigan. It just isn't. I think this Badger team has developed. I think defensively, they're playing very strong. Last two game, last three games, they've held every opponent under 20 points. I think they are in kind of the zone. And I think what it's going to come down to is turnovers and running the football, which I think is every preview you can ever do with Iowa and Wisconsin because they're very similar teams. But both Petraeus and Mertz have had turnover issues. And I think what it's really going to come down to is who has the more brutal turnover. If it's Mertz, I think Iowa wins. If it's Petraeus, I think Wisconsin wins. And I realize that is simplifying it to an extreme level, but it's true. Because with a game like this, where you have not a lot of points expected, short fields are going to matter. I think punting is a really big part of this game, field position. Like I think that matters too. And so the, the Badgers need to maybe stretch the field a little bit more. Like they should definitely take some shots. Like this should be more focused on the pass than they've been in really the whole year. Like this should be a Graham Mertz game. And so you ask the push-pull of that. You're like, okay, if you're asking Graham Mertz to do more, aren't you just asking for Graham Mertz to throw a ton of interceptions? Maybe, but like David Bell had 200 yards against him. I realize the Badgers don't have a receiver like David Bell, but... Iowa right now struggles defending the pass because they've lost their top corners. They are not necessarily as good in the defensive backfield as they are in the front seven. And so maybe trying to pass and overwhelm Iowa in that way will help the Badgers succeed. Iowa also has had two weeks to prepare for Wisconsin. So, and Iowa, I'm sure, will have some hot piss because they lost to Purdue and Iowa wants to kind of reestablish themselves as the top dog in the Big Ten West. And if Iowa does win this one, they they have full control. They they do. I, I think they will Purdue would have the tiebreaker, right? Because Purdue I think only has one loss in in the conference. So you'd have to wait for that. So they don't entirely control their own destiny, but the path to Iowa getting to the championship game and potentially playing their way into the playoff becomes a lot clearer with this win. So we'll see what we get from this Iowa team. I think the Badgers need to start off hot. They need to match Iowa's intensity early, and they should. They should. I don't expect that to be a problem. But if Wisconsin kind of comes out sleepy, it could be a long day. And Iowa has a great running attack. They have a great offensive line. Tyler Lindenbaum, their center, is going to be a first-round pick. He is really good. He's really talented. He can start in the NFL next year. 
um, kind of like how Josh Myers is. Lindblom is a hell of a fucking player inside, and that kind of leads their running attack. And the Badgers, I don't know if they've seen an offensive line as good as Iowa's. So we'll see how that how they respond there because that that'll be a challenge for them. Now they challenge for their front seven, but you know Jim Leonard and all the guys up front are ready for that challenge. I do think Wisconsin wins. I'll say twenty three to twenty. They beat Iowa, so they don't they cut they push. I I think it'll be a really close game, but I think the Badgers come out ahead. All right, guys, that'll do it for our show. We'll be back Monday. We will talk about the Bucks weekend. Uh, they play the Spurs and the Jazz. Any residuals from Packers-Cardinals as well as recap the week that was in the NFL. I'll probably talk about my time in Madison as as a, as a other uh, the other topic for Monday. Sounds like we got Monday planned out already. Love that. All right. Take care, guys. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Follow us on all the socials. Tabbing the Keg Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And Tabbing the Keg on Twitter. And then rate, review, subscribe. We always appreciate it. All right, guys, take care. Have a great weekend. See you Monday. Bye.